Hello and welcome to the Nexus Talks podcast. Here at Nexus, we delve into the experiences and insights from specialists and thought leaders within the creative, tech and digital industries across the globe. At Nexus, we speak freely and touch on the topics that often go unspoken. Erin, describe the people that are going to watch this or hear this and don't know. Yeah. Please, can you introduce yourselves, who you are? What sure. Yeah, so my name is Erin Remington. Um, I am a curator at Saatchi Art. Um, so basically, that fancy title just means that I work with both artists and buyers. Um, Saatchi Art is an online, it's the world's online largest art gallery. And so I work with collectors sourcing um, artworks for their home, um, designers working on projects, and then also uh, work with artists to find new talent all over the world. That's one of the things that I love about Saatchi Art is that we have um, artists in over 100 countries and collectors in over 100 countries. We're a completely global company. So um, you could be talking to an artist from India and then Canada and then the UK um, and similarly with collectors. So it's definitely um, fills my my cup of international love and creators globally. Um, yeah, and I, I manage the department there. So there's about five of us in the sales team. Um, and so, yeah, I've been there for about almost five years now um, for a while. Yeah. Do you so, love it? You sound I like do. you. I do. I really love it. I'm really passionate about what I do. And um, it's amazing to, you know, it, I think it's hard being in, in the creative industry and especially working in art galleries. I've, I've been in, in other companies where the gallery world can be really um, toxic or, you know, not great people or kind people to work for. And there is a great overwhelming like mutual respect with everybody that I work with and everybody's really passionate about what they do um and working with artists and creatives I I think of myself as a creative first um and then you know I think I'm more in the business side of it and this space a lot of people ask me oh are you an artist yourself you work with artists and I'm so hesitant to say yes <laughs> but I, yeah I it's because I work with professional artists all day and I, I do paint and I do do that for fun, but I see it so much more as a hobby. I know that creative is such a, I think as kids, you learn like, oh, if you know how to draw a body well or a face well, then you're an artist. But the word create creativity and creative is so much larger than that. But I do feel sometimes like, oh, I'm not a creative. I just facilitate things with creative people. Um, but yeah, I think the words change as well. I think when somebody calls themselves an artist, it all sounds like yeah. you're getting paid for it. Or if you call yourself a creative, it's like, okay, so what are you getting paid to do? No one's doing things right. hobbies now. It's so rare to hear someone say that I'm an artist for a hobby. It's always like monetize your skill, right? Right, right. I, that is the era that we're in. We're in the side hustle era, you know, <laughs> where everything is, you do everything to monetize it which I think is amazing uh, yeah. you know on one hand it's great but then there's this pressure that it your your art doesn't mean something if it's not selling and a lot of times it's really just it's like another form of journaling or processing your life of creating photographing or writing a song or whatever it is that your creative expression is um but you're right there is 
there is this idea of if you're say, saying you're a creative, then there has to be like monetizing it. Um, so that, I think that's probably also why I don't say I'm an artist because I don't sell my works. <laughs> no. So you're hesitant to call yourself an artist. What would your title be? What would you call yourself? I wouldn't say I'm an artist, but uh, I, I, I think actually I would say I was a, I'm a, more of like a creative person. I do love like interiors and design. And I just moved into my first apartment on my own. Uh, yeah, which is not, you're seeing like my most bare part of my apartment, which I, I'm like, I need a piece of artwork right behind me. Um, if you're listening to this, you can, and you don't see me, there's a very large open wall behind me with no artwork, which is not speaking well to what I do at all. Um, but the rest of my home has lots of beautiful paintings and other things like that. Um, so yeah, I would call myself a creative. Yeah, I think I probably contradicted myself, but as we're talking through this, I would I would call myself a creative, but not an artist. <laughs> it's not going to be that kind of chat. Don't worry. <laughs> no fact. No fact checking. <laughs> no, definitely. And because of the role you discussed, you're like an art curator, right? Yes. That's your role. So how does one become an art curator? Like, is that something you knew you wanted to do when you were younger? Like you're like, I definitely want to go into art. Tell me about how you came to this role. No. Yeah. Um, no, I definitely, I mean, I always loved art growing up as a kid. I always went to art museums. My grandma was an artist. I was definitely always exposed to it. I think if the more you can expose kids to good music, films, art, everything like expands their capacity to love and appreciate those things. And I was fortunate enough to be a part of that, but no one in my family ever was in the gallery or museum world. So I didn't, even know that this was a profession that you could be in um, growing up right. um and in high school which in the United States that's I mean I'm sure you, I'm sure you're familiar um, in high school I took this class uh, an art history AP class which is advanced placement you get credit for college if you take this course um and I took an art history course which was quite random but I thought okay I'll start getting college credit and I fell in love with it. I love history and it was this visual representation of history. And so that kind of started this journey of me figuring out being in the arts world and what kind of jobs and opportunities there was. I didn't know if it would be in teaching or museum studies or um, art history. My background is that I got a business degree. My family was like, you need to have a fallback. Humanities. Yeah, humanities isn't really, um, <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> We're not, you know, because I, like I said, no one in my family, much more traditional jobs everybody had ever had. Um, so I had a business degree and minored in art history and um, took some internships during that time, interned um, at an art museum um, in Laguna Beach and uh, taught art enrichment programs and middle school so I was kind of figuring out like education or museums and then I did another internship at a gallery um, in Los Angeles and like through that I just realized okay I think I really like being in um, a traditional gallery space um, and from there I got my master's in art history so I went back to school 
I um, was then going to get my PhD from King's College in London, actually. But at the same time, I got offered the job at Saatchi. So it was at this, like, crossroad in life. Um, and at that point, I'd already finished my undergrad, got my master's. And I'm like, okay, I'm in. I've been doing school for so long. I think I'm ready to make money. Yes. <laughs> I think I'm ready to make money and, and not be in school. I, I think it would be amazing to go back to school at some point and get my doctorate. But, and I think there's so much time in life for that. Maybe I'll be, you know, at, in my fifties or something and going back to school for that. It, it just didn't seem like the right time. I was ready to, um, expand my wings and start really working in the field that I had been you know I think in the creative industry especially with galleries so many jobs are unpaid which I think is illegal now here in the United States you can't have unpaid internships but at the time it wasn't when I was interning and I did so many unpaid jobs and so many working for people and I there was a point where I was getting my master's and had two different jobs and interning and I was hustling I hustled a lot um and I think that is something that you don't hear a lot about at least you may hear that from I hear that from artists so I will be a waitress but then be painting on the side but I don't feel like you hear that the same from I don't know like a traditional nine to five more business side of the creative field that it especially entry-level positions are so few and far between to find, or if you do, the pay isn't well. And if you're in a city, most of the time, that's where those jobs are. It's not going to be able to pay your rent. (laughs) The rent of what it costs to have an entry-level job at these um, creative places don't don't always align. Um, So yeah, I think um, that goes back to all the side hustles. Um, you know, people are like, okay, I can do these other things to supplement. Um, so yeah, to answer your first question, it was not something that I ever grew up knowing about. It just sort of evolved over time. And I think that's like, you know, I think that's with everyone, uh, especially with a field that, you know, it's not a normal, I'm a nurse or doctor or lawyer or something. Um, but I'm grateful. I think it's, it's a, a really interesting um, field to be in. And yeah, I love being with art and feeling inspired every day. I love that, honestly. And I love that you said that you've evolved. Like, I understand that. I also feel like you put in a lot to keep going back and looking for internships as well. And going back yeah. to like, a lot of people as well. So for example, I used to be a teacher. Then I mm-hmm. woke up one day and I was like, nope, I... I don't want to do this. I, I know I've yeah. presenting, but I had zero media experience. That's start from the beginning, interning, doing so many interns, uh, internships, sorry. And I love that you said, obviously, that you just came to a point where you're like, no, I've done my studying, I've done my interning. Let's do this now. And now, yeah. now I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's, you really have to take opportunities as they come. Like, I think they're, you know, it's good to say no to opportunities. And I think those having that boundary is good. But I also think in the beginning, like saying yes, to a lot of things, it's not, you know, within reason, not burning yourself out, but I, that really helped narrow down 
okay, I don't really, I think, want to be in the museum space. I think that felt too much of like an institution for me and teaching to your point. I love children, but I, I don't actually want my day to day to be with teaching kids art. I think all of those, I think everything requires certain energy and from yourself and to know how are you supposed to know that about yourself when you're 22 or, exactly. you know, when you've been sitting in a classroom for the first 20 plus years of your life, how, how are you supposed to know? So I think saying yes to a lot of different opportunities and just taking it as just knowledge of, okay, learning about it's all, it's about yourself. It's like dating. Dating is like so much more about yourself than it is about finding somebody. It's, it's like, what can I learn about myself through this process? You're like, oh, great. That's that's why this isn't that's working what... or this is. <laughs> We're going to bring you back for another dating special 101, okay? We're going to create new side podcasters for that. <laughs> you mentioned some of the like difficulties, the hustle, like yeah. the lifestyle. What other difficulties do you face and did you face in the beginning and some that you face now? That's a good question. I think, I think a lot of people experience like the imposter syndrome. Like I definitely have felt that a lot in the beginning of just, um, like there's no user manual of how to go into a professional working field and pretending like, you know, everything, but you don't. And how many times a day am I Googling things to be like, what does this mean? (laughs) Um, so I think I think a lot of people sure also relate to that just that imposter syndrome of of at some point you have to just realize nobody knows everything and it's okay to just own that um I think that's something that I'm still working on of knowing when to be like I actually don't know the answer to that even if I feel like I should and the more times I I have owned up to that I'm met with so much more grace and understanding of, oh yeah, let me take a step back and explain what I'm, I'm looking for. Uh, yeah. for um, I think you, humanity is a lot more understanding than what we think they are. Um, and just being like, um, yeah, just empathetic towards other people and being honest with where you're at has been really um, helpful in my own growth. Uh, to get where I'm at and just continuing to be curious and asking questions yeah Um, because that's the only way you're going to know and then also knowing the times when you're like I'm actually not going to do this I'm going to do some (laughs) self-research and find out on my own and then if I have questions I'll follow up um so yeah I appreciate that I think it's actually quite scary to people to admit they don't know anything because we live in that generation where we're all trying to like Show this facade, like, yeah, we know everything, we're experts in the field, and it's very yeah. one knows everything there is to do with a specific field. I think that's what's so funny about this whole NFT boom as well, it's because you know, everyone's looking for like a hierarchy in that in that space, and it's so new. And yes, there are quote unquote experts, but you know, it's not like we're talking about cooking or music or something that has been around for like hundreds of years and you can study people that have come before digital art's been around for you know a while but it's there's it's funny how we as we're looking for who are these experts in this space and it's so new and people are popping up and saying oh I'm an expert 
like expert of what like two years <laughs> like or, like two months or like you you are on twitter and you just retweet things and that makes you an expert but yeah it, it's an interesting it, we we really like to throw out these categories of expert and non-expert really haphazardly in my opinion <laughs> no, I, do you know I totally agree with you I was reading this quote on Twitter the other day I don't know where it came from and it's talking about like stop looking for experts and the best in the field to guide you or to look up to you yeah. take inspiration but your journey will never be the same and also to make your own mistakes like there are calculated right. risks but at the same time you can't keep looking for experts for right. when you need to grow in your field because you might have an alternative way of doing things Right. Yeah. No, I love that. I love that. In your role, um, obviously mm-hmm. you don't have to answer this question, but do you feel like it's a welcoming space for women? Do you feel like you've ever like had to come up with, you know, glass ceiling issues? And I don't know too much about the art space. Um, so yeah. Have to hear about like what it is to be a woman in this industry. Yeah. No, I think that's such a great question because um, I'm actually I, I mentioned this in the beginning. I'm a team of five and it's actually all women five sales uh, people on my team Mm -hmm. um a majority of the people of employees at Saatchi I don't know the actual breakdown but close to nearly 50 percent or more are all females um and in art history courses it's over 50 percent females that are in those um classes but but then you look at you know the directors of these large museums and most of the time they're men you know you see like that at the very very top of these different um you know galleries you think of um you know like all the main big galleries are usually men that are like the large directors of these spaces but then underneath them is a lot of women that work for them so there's a lot of women in this space um and I think that there has been you know more push in the last you know, five to 10 years for, for there to be greater equality. But I do think that you still are seeing that it's men at the end of the day that are, they're at like that top, top tier. And, you know, I, I thought about that a lot. Like why, you know, why is that? Or I think there's probably a couple different theories of like, you know, men just feel, you know, have been given more opportunities or maybe they, I think we, as women, we don't always think that we have, like, we deserve that, like that imposter syndrome, or if we have that capability, or we have to make sacrifices, maybe it is with family and women end up taking more of that hit than men do, you know, they'll take time off to be with, um, you know, to have children, and that could set them back in their career. We just have like a lot more questions to juggle. Um, I personally haven't felt any personal bias I'm still at the beginning of my career I think to be at you know that those other levels those higher levels of being a director or someone that's fully um I don't know you know ahead of a really large institution maybe they would have a different opinion because they would see it on that like bigger scale but Mm -hmm. um for for the place that I'm at um I've seen a lot of great opportunity as a man or a woman or however you identify. Um, but I, I definitely still see that, that gap 
Um, and I don't think it's just in the art world. I know you see that in large corporations or any, or a lot in most other fields. Um, but I think, you know, there is a lot of opportunity more so than ever where women are stepping up and being, um, I don't know, the conquerors of their own destiny. And, you know, they are becoming their own CEO or they're starting their own initiatives. And I think that that's popping up more than more and more. I don't remember seeing that as a kid that much. Um, And I think we we're all, we're, we're see to believe type people, you know, we have to see it being done. And then like that pushes the next generation and the next, you know, group of people to be like, yes, I like, I, I can, I can do that as well. Um, You know, it's like, you look at the generations past, like the, you know, fifties, forties, fifties, the 1940s and 50s, like women were just staying at home and didn't have this space to dream or want to do what they are passionate in. Of course, there's outliers and all of that. But um, I think we've already come a long way when you put it into perspective. Um, yeah, but there's there's still more to come. I think women are really resilient and will continue to blow people away. <laughs> well, right. run away. no definitely and being seen is so important like if you see it's like you or a woman that's like you in that Mm -hmm. space it really does motivate you to think okay there is a space for me in this industry yeah no representation matters in in all like you have to see it you have to see that that person places value or that person was you know given accolades or success um yeah, I, I totally agree. So I want to ask you a question because I find this so weird that I'm talking with you and in the space that you're, where you work and what you do in the art industry. I recently yeah. flew to Istanbul. This is pure luck. I joined a new company a very good time. Um, but we were invited to go to CI Bloom, uh, Contemporary Istanbul. I don't know if you've uh-huh. heard of it. I have, yeah. Yeah, of course you have. <laughs> <laughs> I went and um, I was very lucky. I got to see loads of different um, galleries. I saw a digital art gallery. I saw their main one that they're opening near the last port. I saw loads of different oh, cool. ones. And um, I was there obviously just to kind of like understand what's going on. They're investing a lot in the art scene to basically talk about it for our company. Kind of sure. like And um, a lot of the people that were on the trip with us were art collectors, art buyers, all of these different kind of mismatch of people. Um, they were arguing a lot. As they were looking to the digital art stuff, they were like, no, no, this is not. Some of them were super like, this is art, this is the future of art. Others were like, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you feel about all of this? I'm just really interested. What do you think is going on? I know, it's a hot topic, huh? There was somebody arguing for like half an hour Aaron, about this tree that was drawn on a red. And I'm not even joking. You think that someone insulted his family member. He was so passionate. And I was just sitting there like, are we still talking about this tree? <laughs> so um, I'm just really interested from someone who's in that space and super experienced and obviously you have an opinion on all of this. What do you think about this digital art stuff? Oh. Uh. You know, it depends on the day. It depends on the mood I'm in. But I mean, at the end of the day, no, honestly, I, I do think it is art. I think that, you know, it's just another medium, right? It's like whether it's a paintbrush and a canvas, it's their computer and, you know, whatever program they're using. It, yeah, of, of course, we see so much digital work 
um, you know, whether it's in films or in all spaces. So definitely digital art is art. There's no, there, I have no arguments there. I think yeah. with the whole new NFT space and, and it now being categorized, I guess it's fine art. And I think there is so much that is yet to be unpacked with it. Um, and it's so wrapped up with crypto right now, I think with like people are valuing it is, oh, you know, is if crypto is going down, then NFTs go down. You know, you don't, you don't see that same like correlation necessarily if I was to buy a painting, you know, you're not like, okay, the dollar's down, my painting's down. So I think that they're, as much as those continue to be, continue to be connected so much, it's going to kind of make the space a little muddy and confusing because there's so many hoops to purchase NFTs. You have to have have a wallet and you have to have, you know, have to understand the blockchain and all these different things. There's all these barriers to entry right now. Um, And I was reading an interesting something on Twitter as well. Um, And they were talking about how, um, you know, someone was really happy about how that crypto has has tanked recently and the value is gone down and so now that's actually going to give time for creators to actually create what they like and what they want to be creating in the digital art space and not just creating so that they can make a quick buck right or even the collectors alike it's okay now you're you know, it's like when I talk to collectors and like, well, I want to be purchasing artwork. And I, the first thing I always say is buy what you love, invest in what, what you love. And then we can figure out what makes sense, you know, building your portfolio of works that you're wanting to, to purchase. And I think that that is, it's just been an investment, make money first type um, space where people have been entering of, okay, I'm going to buy this because I've heard that this has gone up 10x. Yeah. Um, and so now that that's off the table and crypto just sucks, this is actually a really amazing space where we can actually figure out, okay, we we're, we're agreeing whether people like it or not. We're agreeing that this is now, this is fine art and that's great. So how can we now pivot and make this into, um, not just like a quick, buy and how can we make this accessible for more creators and more collectors and because at the end of the day we buy art because it enriches our life or we create art because it enriches our life and how do we get back to that core with digital art not instead of this arguing if this tree on an ipad is real art or not i I feel like we're losing that we're losing touch with what the the foundation of what it is yeah Uh, so i think that this is a a good time it's it's hard for, I don't know, I mean, I haven't, I personally not bought into all like Bitcoin and all that. And if I was, I probably would have a different opinion and be really sad right now. But um, I think that this is a really good opportunity for, for creators um, in that space to really focus on, take a step back where, you know, where we are past that people boom that Christie's released their NFT and millions and, you know, that piece sold for millions of dollars or I don't know how many Ethereum it was. So here's the time to just really assess, okay, how can we make this space um, 
different and, and um, it, this is the future. You know, we're having this conversation and you're in London, I'm in LA, we're recording it and it's going to go to people in lots of other places. So I think digital digitization of everything is here. And um, for some reason, fine art is just happens to be one of those hot Hot topic buttons with digital digitization of it, but yeah, that, I'm I'm here for it. I I agree. A lot of it's really crappy. A lot of it's like that doesn't look good, and that's really shitty art. I I trust me. I agree. I think there's a lot of silly shit being made. I think that there's a lot of questionable things. I think it's, it's all of it. It's all, it's everything. Yeah, yeah. I, I hear I hear all of the complaints. Yes, it's is this the black market? Is it sketchy? All all that. Yeah. And I think it's just so new. We're yeah. figuring it all out. And I think we're gonna look back even ten years from now and laugh and be like, wow, we were really I yeah, I don't think I was I'm can't say I'm an early adapter because I <laughs> I know that there's people that have been in this space for a while and have tons of NFTs, but yeah. I don't want to be a late adapter. I feel like I want to be somewhere in the middle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Moving yeah. away from the digital stuff, I know you said that's not yeah. what you're obsessed with. What's no. the best piece of art you've curated, your favorite piece, something that you just won't forget? Oh yeah, I know there it's so hard. That's like asking a musician, like, what's your favorite song? I mean, yeah. when it, um, well, most memorable I mean, then was something yeah. that stuck with you. Well, I would say in terms of art that I've curated, um, I mean, I really like the, my curation of my, of my home, of the artworks that I've purchased. Um, I, but I would say, you know, like some of my favorite artists, um, like I, I did my thesis paper on Rothko. So I love Mark Rothko. I love his abstract expressionist, those minimal paintings. I really love, you know, his works always stay with me. Um, I haven't curated his stuff, but he definitely is an inspiration of um, art and artists that I love. Um, I... Uh, I think studying art history, it's like, I love all, you know, I love the Michelangelo's, I love Impressionistic, I love all the different styles, but I think for me, what I really love, if I, if I had to choose, like, one style to be with forever, I love neon art, I love California light art, I love James Terrell, I love this just mood ambiance, it's not like your typical art, it's not like a painting on a wall, um, it's more of installation, um, yeah, but that's not really answering curating. It's, it's a little different because I don't, um, I mean, I've done digital, curated digital exhibitions, but I haven't had the chance to curate a physical show yet in my career. And that's a goal that I do have. And so maybe I'll get back to TBD on a work that I have specifically curated, but there are many artists that I could reference that I love. That I would, a dream would be to curate a show of those different artists <laughs> down for a part two that's fine and then yeah yeah an art piece on that wall so I'm I'm down mm -hmm. for that. <laughs> exactly <laughs> I also like would feel really silly to not ask you this while we've got you in case someone's listening to this and you know is new to the art world or really wants to work in the industry in the space that you're yeah. in 
what advice would you give? What are your top tips for getting through and understanding and growing and finding their space in this huge industry? Yeah, I think I'll keep it specific to working, I think, in the fine art um, world. I think that there, for me, I had a really hard time finding resources of how to get started in this career. You know, what's what are the steps to this or how do I, you know, how do I do this beyond just internships or education? Um, and, you know, I would, what I kind of already spoke about before is saying yes to as many opportunities as possible, you know, finding out what you, what it is that you enjoy about the, you know, the art space. Is it, do you like sales? Do you like, um, you know, I, I know uh, certain people love the writing aspect. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's doing more editorial work and it's writing about shows. It's finding out what it is that you, how you like interacting with art. Do you like it in the sales aspect? Do you like writing about it? Do you like, talking to people about it maybe you would want to be working in a museum and bringing people around to look at art do you like research maybe you want to be in the registrar at a museum and um being in that space I think like getting curious about what it is that you like about art and what could you see and not what you just like in a hobbyist way but what you could actually spending your day-to-day with um I think I I really enjoy working with both artists and collectors. Um, I have always been in more of a sales space, you know, even outside of the art world when I was in college and jobs that I had and um, having a business background. I really enjoy numbers and um, seeing growth within a company. And so that really seemed to suit me well. Uh, So I would just, yeah, encourage anyone to just, you know, take a look at what it is that you love about interacting with art and get curious and reach out to people. I grabbed coffee with other people in this space and just asked them questions of how they got to that job and, um, and doing it not so that I could get something from them. Cause I think people can feel that, you know, I wasn't doing it so I could get a job from them, but I just wanted to know, um, what are the skills that I need? Um, I worked, uh, yeah, I, I was a was an editor for an art critic for a while and learned a lot from him. And so just, just yeah, I think like pulling on from people that you're drawn to, there's a reason why you're drawn to them. And, you know, people are usually pretty receptive to give advice. Um, so yeah, just staying curious and following those pings and just like asking questions. Erin, thank you so much for chatting with yeah. me. I've learned so much. And also you're a very, very like inspiring woman. You're very chirpy. You. I'm so passionate about what you do. And that's really, really lovely. And um, you. I wish you the best with your career moving forward as well. Thank you. No, this was so fun. I'm glad this worked out. Um, I feel so honored that you wanted to hear anything about my story. So thank you. No, you're welcome. <laughs> Where can people find you just in case they want to see what you're up to? Are you on socials or anything? Yeah, I am. Yeah. Um, Instagram, you can follow me. Um, my handle is a finer eye. Um, I'll send it to you spelling wise, but A F I N E R E Y E. Um, and that's probably the best way that you can connect with me is, is there. Amazing. And we'll definitely tag you when this is all uploaded as well. So if people want to find Great. you, it's easier as well. But honestly, I had such a lovely evening. Um, and it's the afternoon where you are, but 
I'm going to leave you to your day. You have a good evening. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to Egypt tomorrow, so I'm going to go pack. <laughs> wow, safe travels. <laughs> Thank you so much. Have a lovely afternoon. You too. Bye. <laughs>